those great questions tonight. It really, um, really shows a lot of, of thinking about the issue of missions. I mean, you know, I didn't get any questions about the yucky things we eat or how many snakes we have in our house or, you know, all, all the little five-year-old questions that we get, you know, <laughs> which we're happy to answer. That's fine. And I'm glad when five-year-olds think enough to ask the missionary something. But your, your, your questions tonight show a lot of thinking and a lot of um, maybe even prepared thinking. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the opportunity tonight. You know, we really are just trying to be in the right place, doing the right thing, and trusting that God will do a work. Because it's God that does the work. You know, I can preach, and um, we can witness, testify, pass out literature. Uh, all the things that we do to try to alert people to their condition and to tell them about the love of God in Christ. But they still have to believe it. And God still has to do a work in their hearts. And so we're trusting God to do that work. Uh, you know, we, one of the first verses I ever learned, we'll talk about this tonight, but 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You know, if, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You know, and, and we're looking for that new life in people. That's why, you know, it's great to have a church full of people. It's great to have Sunday school full of people. Uh, I mentioned a church there in the middle. I wouldn't expect you to necessarily remember it, but it was kind of a, looked like it was made of bricks. It was made of fired adobes. It's one of the churches we helped to build. Um, I always like going to that church. It's about two hours from us. It's, uh, it's in a place where there's no water. In fact, the little boy carrying the water is in that community. when He was carrying the little bucket of water up the hill. And uh, they don't have any electricity or water or anything like that. But what they do have is about 400 people on, on Sunday morning at church. In the middle of nowhere, only God knows where Mutondu is, Bibedu as they call it. It's, um, you know, you could miss it. I've looked at it and looked at it and looked at it on Google Earth, and I still can't find it on the map. I don't know if the satellite just went over it and didn't take a picture or what, but it's hard to get, you know, if you don't know where you're going, you won't find it. But when you get there, it's, it's the only solid structure. Even the government houses are not as good as the church. And uh, God enabled us to... Now, the people built up to the, up to the wall, up to the, the line of the roof. We put a roof on it for them. And, uh, you know, we, were, we helped them, but we didn't build the whole thing for them. And it, it, gives them, it gives them ownership. It gives them a sense that this is our building. We did it. You know, the missionary helped us, but... God enabled us, and we did it ourselves. And I think that's very important. One of the reasons we don't try to give away a lot of stuff. Uh, we will give away John and Romans booklets. We'll give away tracts. Occasionally, we'll give a New Testament or a Bible away. Usually, we only give Bibles, you know, for people who are steady in church. And we're really the only source of Bibles that most people have. But uh, <clears throat> we're looking. You know, it's, it's good to have a church full of people. You know, but I've told, I've told men so many times down there, the preachers that I teach, uh, that I'm in a mentoring program with, the teacher in a, the teacher in the Bible Institute, you know, I, I'd rather have a handful of men and women who love God and were ready to turn the world upside down 
than to have 100 people in church that are yawning and, you know, oh, you know they're not completely disinterested. Just be, I'm not interested in just filling the building, just have a warm building because the building's warm, you know, all, all automatically. When it's 100 degrees out, it's, you know, it's a little warmer inside. We don't have air conditioning. We don't, you know, the best we can do is a plastic chair. And, and I'm not complaining. And the Africans don't complain about that, you know. I, I preached under, in May, I preached under uh, four mango trees. We had plastic chairs. We had 50 or 60 people sitting under mango trees, all of those. It was two congregations that came together. They were getting some uh, materials that we were giving out because of the cyclone. Uh, they, they, they had food problems. The, the, these people were getting to the end of their food and didn't know where they were, what they were going to eat. And uh, without money and without jobs and no food, you know, there's not much left. Eat the grass, maybe eat the tree leaves out of the mango tree, which are not very good, and they're not very nourishing. But we were there, and we were giving out some things to our church folks. And God enabled us, by the way, since the, the, the from, from after March, it was March 14 when the, when the cyclone came through, and we started helping at the end of the month. Uh, well, we started helping right away, but our big help came at, starting at the end of the month. And, and for those two months afterwards, God enables us to help about 500 families. And uh, in, in just in the six churches that are in the, the, the corridor where this, this cyclone came through, and uh, we're very thankful for what God did. We can't do this by ourselves. You know, and people in Brazil and people in America and people in England and people in Portugal sent offerings and, and the Lord enabled us to stretch that money out and use a bunch of our own money, but, you know, get food to people who otherwise would starve to death. You know, and I, I mean, look at me. I can't talk about starving to death. I mean, you know, that's, that's ridiculous, you know. Uh, I'm like the 777. I'm the wide body, you know. Um, if you don't, that's a jet, okay? We know all about planes. You know, spending 30 or 40 hours on a plane each direction, you get to know planes very well. Very well. But we're looking for people who will trust the Lord Jesus Christ and allow God to use them. And that's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm seeking. Uh, you know, I, we witness to everybody. You know, but we don't like to leave people just, okay, I got saved, I'll sit on the bench. No. We want to put you to work. We'll let you, we'll let you decide what God wants you to do, but we're going to offer you a place to do some things. Because the ministry of the church, by the way, is the church, not the pastor. The ministry of the church is down there, is the mission, not the missionary, or not even the pastor of the local church, but the whole church. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 is not what we're going to talk about. But we're looking for... God to change lives. Give them new life. God doesn't renovate lives. He doesn't patch them up and put some new paint on them. He changes them and gives them new life. The new life in Christ is new life. Our old life we still have. We still have this flesh, but we gain eternal life. We gain new life. And that's what we're looking for in the Africans. Romans 12, verses 1 through 3 tonight, just very quickly. Verses that we're very familiar with. Romans chapter 12. Romans is right after, right after Genesis. Well, not right after, but it's, it's after Genesis and before Revelation. The book of Romans, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 1 Corinthians, Acts, Romans, right? Okay. It's in the right position, wrong, wrong order of books. 
Romans chapter 12, verses we're very familiar with. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Father, would you bless tonight your word. I ask in these moments, Lord, that you'd help me, you'd guide my lips, that I would speak things that would be pleasing in your sight, Lord. Father, I thank you tonight that we can be in this place. It's raining outside, which is necessary, but it's nice to be in here and temperature controlled and a comfortable place. And Lord, thank you for that. I pray tonight that you'd be with our people in Africa. And Lord, that you'd uh, watch over them and do things that we cannot do. God, I pray that you'd work among them and work in our hearts tonight in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot in these three verses, and there's, a, there's quite a few things that we could talk about tonight. He talks about, uh, Paul ta talking to the Romans, uh, I believe that he's talking to believers here. He's not talking to the world. In fact, he makes a shift early on in this book from they to you. And uh, Paul is talking to the, to the believers. And in verse 3, he says, for, for I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you. And he's talking about the church. Uh, in the city of Rome, and he's, and he's talking to them, and, and he's, he, these things he's telling them, he's talking to, to regenerated people. He's talking to people who've been born again, that are saved. Uh, he's not talking to the world. So when he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, okay, brethren, that's another key, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, uh, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Uh, we are to to live in such a way uh, that's different from the world. And I, I, you've heard this many years. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not preaching something that you've never heard before. I, I know this church, and I listen to your pastor over the, over the MP3, over the, the, the sermons on the website, you know. I, I know. Uh, but we're supposed to live differently. We're to live in a, in a different fashion. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. And he said, that's a reasonable service. That's, our, that's, that's what's reasonable for us. But that's really an introduction tonight because I want to get into verse 2. And he says this, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I want to look at this first part here because he says, be not conformed. And the word conformed and the word transformed are two different ideas. Uh, the word conformed is to put into a form of something, an outward form. And, and what, what I've written down for myself was, don't let the world put you into its mold. Don't let the world conform you to its image. You see, Roman, we're in Romans chapter 12, but in Romans chapter 8, uh, the Bible says, and I, I know that you're familiar with this, he, he says in verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
the image that we're supposed to be conformed to is the image of Christ. Not the image of the world. He says, don't let the world put you in its mold. Don't be conformed to this world. And the, word, the world there is not the world, the planet, you know. It's not the, the, the ground under our feet. It is this present age. This age where we know that the God of this world, according to several passages that Paul wrote, the God of this world is the devil. It's his world. It's his system. And we're not to be conformed to it. And it's easy to be conformed to it. Listen, it's easy. Uh, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I sat back up here and rested for a little bit. I, I turned the television on and there, there, there was the Dallas Cowboys, you know. And uh, boy, it'd be easy to just be a couch potato, you know. That'd be easy. Uh, but if it have to be something more exciting than the Dallas Cowboys, of course, the, the, the Packers were running through them like, you know, a hot knife through butter. Uh, the Cowboys, I don't think, have a team this year, but you know, but we can sit here and talk about that, but it's unimportant. You know, even if it's whatever this team is here that you have, I don't remember what it is. It's, you get east of Kansas City and I forget about whatever that is out there, you know. The Patriots, right? I, you know, everything in its place. It, it would be easy to just run around with, you know, red, white, and blue and just, you know, go hog wild after that. The rest of the world is. And before you know it, you're tailgating and you got your Budweiser and your, you know, your barbecue. You say, a Christian would never do that. <laughs> you want some names? <laughs> you know, unfortunately, I know some people like that. And, it, and it's not that. It could be something else. I mean, this world will, it will try to put you in its box. They want you to conform. What in the world is is political correctness except the world trying to make us conform to its box. I'm not interested myself. I've been swimming upstream in the wrong direction, according to them, for a long time, and I'm not going to turn around and swim downstream. I'm not ready to do that. that. That is not in my makeup. He says, be not conformed. Don't... Don't let the world put you into an outer form of something that is not what God intended. Very quickly, the Bible says this in, in 1 Corinthians. Very quickly, if I can get there. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, verses we're very familiar with. He said, there is no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. You know, temptation is common. The, the temptation to be conformed to the world is common. It, it's, it's, we all face this. If you think preacher flesh is different, get it out of your brain. I mean, it's, uh, what do they tell you in Bible college? The easiest place to backslide is Bible college. And then when you get out, the easiest place to backslide is in the pulpit. Well, evidently, the easiest place to backslide is anywhere. You know, because it, you know, it just, you could keep going. We need to be careful he says, there, there's no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. But, I like but. <laughs> I like but in the Bible. <laughs> it wipes out so much bad stuff. But God is faithful. 
This is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. In the middle of the, of the world trying to conform us to its image, we have help. And he goes on to say something else, which we'll get to in just a moment. The, Paul taught the, the Corinthian church in the second letter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I don't know this Bible as well as this because I usually preach in Portuguese and I use a different Bible. 2 Corinthians 6 verses 14, he said, But be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or the devil? Or what part hath he, he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I, and will be a father unto you, and you should be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Don't let the world put you in its box. Don't let the world conform you. That's the first thing that he tells us. The second thing he tells us is this, but be transformed. You see, and the word transformed, is, it comes from a word that is the same as metamorphosis. Like the difference between the worm in the cocoon, and the beautiful monarch butterfly. You see? That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to take, a, take us out of cocoon form and make us beautiful for the world. You see, he wants us to make, make a spectacle out of us. And I don't mean a, a spectacle, a, a radical, um, what do I say? Um, the word in Portuguese is, is terrible. I can't remember it in English. <laughs> uh, Huh? Yeah, I know, and I can't remember Portuguese now either. It's, it flew away. The butterfly took it. Wow, that's crazy. I, I forgot both words. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is be transforming. It, it's a metamorphosis. It's a change the nature of something. Not just conform it to an outside or, or an, an outward form, but to change it. You see, and, and that even, even as Christians, you know, God wants to change us. He wants to constantly make us into something better. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> that worm in the cocoon uh, eventually will become the butterfly, the, the metamorphosis, the change, the change in nature. It stresses an inward change. That verse that I mentioned, 2 Corinthians 5 17, and I would quote it, except uh, I don't trust my language tonight, my brain. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's, that is a continuing process. I would love to have been made perfect the day I got saved, and I would never have any temptation. Everything, anything would be just great, and we would walk with God, and we'd never be tempted. We'd never sin again. I don't know about y'all. I mean, you're, you're, you're better people than I am probably. And I, but for me, it was a, it's been a challenge. It's been tough. It hasn't been easy. Nobody said it was going to be easy. But God wants to transform us. He wants to take us and change our inward nature. 
It begins in salvation. There is a sanctification that begins on that day. We are made different and we're taken out of one family, the family of the devil, and put into another family and we changed. But there's a change that continues to to happen and there's a a change that needs to continue to happen. Some of us that have been saved for 30 plus, maybe 40 plus years, we need to make sure that we're still changing. There's no stopping place. There's no place to say, I've read my Bible enough times. There's no place to say, I've prayed enough times. I've witnessed to people enough times I can stop. There's no stopping place. God wants to continue to change us. He wants to continue to transform us. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. And he didn't let us just think about, well, what does that mean, Paul? And how do we get around that? And he says, but by the renewing of your mind. For two things he says about this. The first is renewing of the mind. (coughs) Can I tell you that the battle for most things is right here. The battle is in the mind. You know, see, if the world can get you to think differently, it can get you to do differently. They might not be able to change your heart. And if you're saved tonight, you can't get unsaved. You can't get unsaved. You're saved. If you're saved tonight, you've been born again, washed by the blood. That happened. You're not going to get out of it. But I know a lot of folks that did that and have strayed. And that's not what God wants. He doesn't want us to be conformed to this world. He wants us to be transformed, taking that change and continuing to change. I hope I can find it because it's not in the notes. And I normally don't even use notes. I don't even know why I'm using them, but I wanted to make sure that I said the right things. Paul said this in chapter 3 of Philippians. He said, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection." And the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. You say, well, Paul, don't you know Jesus? Yes, I know him, but I want to know him more. I don't want to stop here. Yes, I know him, but I want to know him more. Do you know how much advantage you and I have in this age that we live in over the first century? Have you ever thought about the fact that they didn't have the New Testament? Or if they had access, they had a letter or two letters maybe, or maybe even three letters. People didn't have Bibles. They didn't have New Testaments. And they, the, the, the world themselves said, look, they've turned the world upside down and they're coming here also. They didn't even have Bibles to read. And don't start thinking they could just carry around an Old Testament under their arms. I've seen a, 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 an Old Testament in a Bible museum, you know, in original form, written on, in Hebrew on, on the animal skins. And it took up the whole room. Why did Jesus go into a synagogue 
and asked the man to read the Bible because he didn't have one in his pocket. He could have quoted it, but he went in there because the Jews are there and he could teach them directly and the Bible was sitting right there. And he opened Isaiah 61, even though there was no chapters, he opened Isaiah and they read it and he preached about himself. They didn't have Bibles. You ever think about the, I mean, we have the entire word of God. We have it in easy form. If you don't have one, I'm sure the preacher can get you one. We probably got boxes of them somewhere. And if he can't, I'm sure somebody can, I can. I mean, you know, we have it in such an easy form. If you don't want to buy it this way, you can get yourself a smartphone. Things smarter than me. That's for sure. I can get a smartphone and, get, and download the, the Bible in audio and listen to it. Go on the internet. It's there. Make sure you use a King James Bible. I don't think you should use another one. Just trying to stay on the page, preacher. You know, <laughs> get off the page. That's my recommendation. This is a King James I have in front of me. I don't use this Bible in, in Mozambique because I don't preach English. But we have a good Bible, Trinitarian Bible, Trinitarian Bible Society. It's a good Bible in Portuguese. But we have all these things. We have advantages. Goodness, they didn't have radio. They had Honda cars, but they didn't have anything else because it said that the, you know, the, the apostles were in one accord, so they had Honda cars, you know. But um, they didn't have anything else. They didn't have technology. They didn't have internet. Al Gore hadn't been born yet. He hadn't invented the internet yet. So, I mean... You know, they didn't have all this stuff. Uh, how in the world can we hide behind excuses that we use when those that turn the world upside down, listen, if they had not been faithful, I don't know if we'd be saved. If these folks had not, this first century crowd, if they had not maintained the word of God, now God's faithful, he's gonna make sure his word's available. But folks, it's not available to everybody. There's a lot of languages on that map that don't have Bibles. There's languages in my country that don't have Bibles. We have such a great advantage. If we want to know what the Bible says, all we have to do is open it. I mean, if you're like me, you've got several, you know, paper Bibles. I've got several paper Bibles. I've got a bunch of Bibles on my computer too. My Bible on my phone. You know, you go and buy bananas at the store, they probably could give you a Bible. I don't know. You see, we, but, you know, we have no excuse for not doing what God wants us to do and being transformed into that thing that God wants us to be. We don't have an excuse for that. Pastor said we have it easy. We do. You know, we do. God wants to transform us. He wants to take us from where we are and to make us into something where he wants us to be. We need to be transformed, first of all, by the renewing of our mind. Colossians chapter three very quickly says <clears throat> that we should seek those things which are above. And I hope that they didn't move Colossians from where I left it. Colossians chapter 3 says this, if you then be risen with Christ, if you're born again, if you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. It would be easy if he just left it at that. Jesus said, you seek ye first the kingdom of God. 
You know, that's, he set those priorities, and Paul repeats that. He says, he said, if you're born again, if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And that would, that would be easy if he just left it alone. But the next verse says, set your affections on these things. You know, it's one thing to seek them, but when you find them, what are you going to do with them? It's like the dog that chases the car. What's he going to do if he ever catches one? You know, we're going to seek these things. But then Paul says, set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. Oh, he sets a whole entirely new standard for what we're seeking and what we're loving. The whole message that I've preached to our people in Africa from from Revelation chapter two about the Ephesian church, where the Bible says that, Jesus told the churches, all seven of them, he said, I know your works. And that's a really comforting thing to know that Jesus knows the church. It's also really scary because he knows what we're not doing too. What do we love most in this world? He said, seek those things, but set affection on them. How are we going to renew our mind? We're going to think differently. We're going to have different input. I, I know that on a, on a Sunday night, on a rainy Sunday night, I'm, I'm talking to people who've heard this and heard this and heard this and heard this. Now that you've heard it again, go do it. And I say the same thing to myself. You know, we have no excuse for not reading our Bibles. We have no excuse for not praying. We have no excuse for not witnessing. We're still alive. We still have breath. God, we have a Bible. There are people you know, and, and for goodness sakes, there are many things to pray about. We need to renew our mind. But then he says this too, he needs, we need to prove. He says, by the, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And very quickly, I'm watching little Mickey up there with his hands. I barely see it. That's why I took my glasses off so I wouldn't have to pay much attention because I can't see it, you know. It's kind of just fuzzy. But one of his hands is up here. Um, that's probably not Mickey. Mickey's got horns and a tail. It's not Mickey's fault. They did it to him, you know. They used to make Mickey watches. That's what I'm talking about. I, you know, I'm sorry. I get carried away and think, I'm thinking I'm talking to myself, you know. Not only do we need to renew our mind through thinking properly, but we need to prove the will of God. And what, how we prove the will of God is to put it into test in our life. You know, it's one thing to know the will of God. It's a whole other thing to put it into practice. Because, I mean, young people all the time, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? You know, I got some really good advice by the name, by the man, by the name of Danny Whetstone. He was a pastor in Tennessee. Now he's been in, in mission work for many, many years. And we were, we were just saved and the church was full of preacher boys and we were over in Portugal and, and in the military and it was before I came to Bible college and, and, and we all got, it, got the preacher down and was like, preacher, okay, tell us what the will of God is. We just want to know so we can do it. He said, I don't know what God wants to do with you. And we were all deflated. It's like, well, you're supposed to know you're the preacher. And he said this, he says, get out there and do something and God will direct you. 
Get in the middle of the way and let God direct you. He said, if you're going to sit and wait for it, you'll, it'll never come. You know, those that want the will of God, and you know, when they're 17 years old and they're full of fire and they got their Bible under their arm and ready to charge, you know, the whole world. At 70, they're still sitting on their porch waiting for the will of God to show up because they never got out of the chair and did something. And unfortunately, if we're not careful, that's where we'll be. We need to prove the will of God in our life. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is a wonderful passage of Scripture. All passages of Scripture are wonderful, but this one has really touched my heart. The Bible says this in Paul teaching in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 2. He said, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty concerning ministry, but not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But then he says this, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And what I wrote down for myself was that, you know, manifesting the truth in, in the sight of others, the sight of God, in the conscience of other people is to live out what I believe about the Bible. Not just to know what the Bible says, but to put it to practice in my life. There was a young man by the name of Daniel, and he worked in the, the Air Postal Office, the Air Force Post Office where we were in, in Portugal. And he was the most persecuted young man that I ever met. They, we called him Daniel in the lion's den. They would just, he'd go and work and they'd just go around behind him and throw his work on the ground. He'd, he'd sort mail and then they'd dump it, you know. He was the only Christian in there and they just treated him horribly. But he was a joyous young man to be around. And he would do something. He would write in his Bible when he'd find a promise or a command or something that that, that he felt that God wanted him to do or God talked to him in his heart, he would, put, um, he would put next to it a mark. And then as he would see that come to truth, come to, to, to reality in his own life, he would put next to it T and P. Tried and proved. Tried and proved. Manifesting in the sight of others, in the sight of God, manifesting in the conscience of others, living out what God has put in here. Isn't that what James said? Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. He also said, my Bible is just, I don't know if it's just needs more practice or if, you know, it's not my Bible's fault, it's my finger's fault. Or I just forgot where James lived. Ah, James chapter one. Now I found him. He said this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if a man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholdeth his natural face in a glass. <clears throat> For he beholdeth himself and goeth, away, goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, listen to this, this is wonderful. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Huh? If we will take what we know about God and take what we know about the church and take what we know about Jesus and the gospel and put it to practice in our life, <clears throat> you, see, you see what he said? He didn't say just that the man would be blessed. He would be blessed in his deed. That means God isn't going to bless the man that sits on his 
porch and doesn't get off. Because where does he bless him? He blesses him out there working. You see, when we get out and we prove it and we're out there doing, that's when God will bless. And he blesses out here. He blessed him in his deed, in the thing that he's doing for God. He being not himself a forgetful here, uh, he beholdeth himself, goeth his way. In verse 25, he, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, continueth, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. What Paul teaches us, two things, very simply. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world put you into its form, but be transformed. Fine, you're born again. You're a believer. I'm happy. I am so glad. Now what? Now what? Well, I'm in church. You know, somebody asked me how I was one morning. I said, I'm out of bed and dressed. And that's all you get today, you know. <laughs> uh, that's it, you know. That's not enough. That's not enough. It was a bad answer that I gave him, too. It's not enough. Not enough just to get up. What are we going to do with our day? Now that we're born again, what are we going to do with it? This new life that we have, what are we going to do with it? We're going to, you know, Job was a man who feared God and eschewed evil. He didn't just fear God on the positive side, he hated evil. Batteries got positive and negative, you know. The house that was swept when the demon went out, when nothing came back in to take its place, it was all clean, but it was empty. The demon found it, and he went back and got seven of his friends and moved in. It's one thing to be born again. It's another thing to put into practice what God has given us. Be transformed. He's talking to believers. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the will of God. That's what we need to do. Pastor, would you come tonight as we close our evening service? I don't know how you're going to close it, but my message tonight is just simply that. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Pastor, would you come?